Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. Uh, I'm Owen and hopefully if you're a regular listener, you know the format by now. We're diving into interesting topics about local church, chatting to leaders and getting the lowdown on how churches can impact their communities, react to current issues and open discussions. In each of these sessions, we want to dig deep into why we do what we do theologically, but also practically chat about how those beliefs shape our daily lives. Today we're going to be continuing our new series, God Will See You Through, looking at challenging areas and seasons of life with those who have gone through them and known God's presence and strength in those times and since. And today we're going to be talking about the topic of bereavement. It's a very difficult topic and I know will be very much on the heart of a lot of people listening in today. Today my guests are Eloise Rear and Anne Cottingham. Uh, it's an amazing privilege to have both of you here welcome welcome to the podcast thank you thank you amazing do you want to just start i suppose by introducing yourself to the listeners maybe people who don't know you a little bit about yourselves what you do what your um interests and hobbies are and 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 then maybe at the end sort of your link to this topic today ello do you want to um, kick us off yeah, so I'm the children and families worker here at Christchurch and I have the great privilege of being the seventh child out of eight of my mum, Anne, which is a great place to be. I really recommend it. You grow up in a great area of benevolent neglect. It's, it's a great position to be in. I am a mum of two. I didn't go on to have eight children because, you know, I saw what hard work it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although, to be fair, my two give me a run for money as well. Amazing, Anne. Oh, I, I was a farmer's wife, so I, I grew up in, on a farm. I had a wonderful life, really, with, with my husband and, and eight children. So I was kept quite busy and had all sorts of interests, of course, and uh, including milking cows briefly, which was fun. And, and I'm now a mother and grandmother and great-grandmother and thoroughly enjoying it. Amazing, wonderful. I, I know what you mean a little bit about the benevolent neglect. I mean, I'm one of four, and um, by by that point, there is a sort of ease, isn't there, that that comes, which is I know that a lot of my older siblings were a bit like, how do you get away with 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 those things? Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely less pressure, and uh, it's quite nice not being the last one as well. So I think it's number seven is the best place to be. I think. Well, you, you, those guys listening in, you want to have kids. Obviously, you know, you just have eight, so the seventh is the best. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, eight, eight children, that's a, a, a lot of children, Anne. Yes, it was, but um, we had four quite quickly. We, we lo- wanted a big family because we love children. And, and then we felt, it, we had talked before we got married, if we couldn't have any children, we'd want to adopt. Mm. And we thought... Well, maybe. Now, we've had four children. We're very thankful for them. We've got room in our hearts and our house, just about, for another one. So we adopted one, and then we thought, well, why stop at one? And Because maybe another one would be company for the first one. So we had two adopted children in the middle, which was a challenge, but um, well, we didn't know lots of things, but we found out lots of things and uh, loved them too. Um, and then God blessed us with two more surprises, which we were very, very grateful for and um, realised they were really God's gift to us, which we were really thankful for. Definitely. I suppose also, on a practical note, lots of kids means lots of help on the farm, lots of uh, hands. <laughs> uh, well, yes, uh, they were certainly very useful on the farm. <laughs> uh, my husband made sure of that. <laughs> and uh, yes. 
Amazing. Yeah. Do, do you want to maybe talk then a little bit about how you relate to this topic of, of bereavement, Ello? Yeah, so absolutely. Mum had, mum, dad had all of us, and we were living on the farm. And there's quite a big age gap between me and my older brothers as well. So by the time that we're talking about now, I was um, 15. I was just a few weeks off my 16th birthday. Joel, my younger brother, was 10. And my older siblings had mostly sort of moved out by that point and were living in their own houses and their own lives, but still kind of quite closely attached to the family. And then, so that that time, sort of this April, Dad died very suddenly of a heart attack, completely out of the blue. We knew he had some sort of issues, but nothing, we didn't expect it to be anything serious. So the morning we're talking about, Dad drove me down to the bus stop, dropped me off to school, said goodbye. When I came home, Mum broke the news to me that he'd died that day of a heart attack. So complete shock for all of us. No, 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 it was a, it was a complete shock, and um, I know. Of course, the first thing we had to do was tell the children, mm. and certainly when they came home from school, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because it hurt. Yeah, and uh, and of course, but I had you know had to deal with things as they came. Yeah, that's uh, when when he, well, I prayed first. Please bring him back to life. I couldn't manage, I couldn't imagine, but uh, it wasn't to be. And, and amazingly, I said, I demanded, I can't manage without my husband, you'll have to be my husband. Mm. And I must admit that 28 years later, he's been my husband. He's been all that I needed ever since then. And uh, in amazing ways. And the other thing that, that helped me most was that I sat on the bed beside him and, and said, thy will be done. It seemed to come from, well, Holy Spirit, obviously, and uh, I realised how important it was that I'd recognise, I'd let go almost straight away and recognise that it was his will. And as long as his will, his will was right, whatever it was, I didn't agree with it. I didn't like, like it much, but it was his will. Amazing, thank you, thank you. And obviously, you spoke then about the Holy Spirit's role in in bringing you to that point. And I suppose that's over the sort of days, weeks after that. Could you feel the presence of God sort of around you in that time? All the time. I I had so many questions, so many questions. You know about I didn't know who I was. I said you made us one. Who am I now? And he said. Quite clearly, I mean, I'd walk across the fields and have my conversations with him because I had dogs to take for a walk. And he said, it's a clean cut. There are no festering sores or open wounds. We had been in a good relationship all the time. We hadn't anything against apart from us. And so because of it was a clean cut, he said, I'll make you whole again, which is over the years, it's it's happened. He, he has... He has because he's made me whole again and I don't feel that I'm only half a one. And there were so many questions, so many other things that he answered as I needed wisdom, as all those things, that they came in amazing ways. I would open my Bible and find the answer to a question just like that because it was there, it was written for me so often that, um, yeah, he answered, he answered every, every prayer. Mm. I think one thing that really struck us at the time was that the presence of God was around us all the time. It felt like we were 
wrapped in a great big duvet. So I don't know, sort of, a, sort of a funny kind of way. And I think people talk about despair, but I think, as sad as we were, I don't think we were ever in despair. And, and as a so as a child, you know, well, obviously fifteen, you were sort of not not a child, but that bit older. What was that like for you in terms of did, were you walking with God at that time? You had a, a faith with God, and so what was that like for you walking through that? I think I was very led by Mum and her response to it. I think the fact that Mum submitted to God's will and didn't. She wasn't angry with God. She was very sad, but she wasn't angry with God. And that was a really good example for me at the time to understand that actually God can do whatever he wants to do. And God still loves us and God still has a plan for us. And that was that was very much, I took my lead sort of from mum, really. I was walking with God and I knew that God was my father. But as much as you think you're relying on God, it's not until somebody whips out the props from underneath your feet that you realise what you're really standing on. And that was really true for all of us to kind of discover what does it really mean to have God as your father? What does it really mean to lean on God? And it's only then that we really found that out and what was that like for you Anne? i suppose up until then both you and roger had been spiritually inputting in into your your kids but now it was sort of just you there in obviously church and, and all the oh, people that, around everything, yes but in terms of the home what was that like knowing that you were taking that spiritual lead it was hard i i, I didn't feel equipped for it but i remembered something that I'd said to Roger a while ago, well, before, it's all right for you, you've got more confidence than I have. And he just looked at me and said, and who's my confidence in? And I've never forgotten that. It was in God, and he was the same God that was I could trust and uh, I could have confidence. There were things, there were things that bothered me, but always, in an amazing way, God answered things. I think there was, there was nothing kind of pretend in anything. Anything was very real. You know, every problem that we had, every time we were sad, we were just sad. We didn't try to pretend to be anything different. Mum didn't pretend to have all the answers, but she just said, you know, God will, basically, God will see us through, God will do it, and he did. I do remember vividly, just before Eloise's birthday, her 16th birthday, now what her dad had wanted to get her before, and so that was that was an answer, but I remembered that... Uh, it was actually on my 16th birthday that he sent my first card. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was um, quite meaningful, actually. And I, I did feel, I felt for my children so much. But I remember Joel, the youngest one, saying, I've got two fathers in heaven now. Wow. He, even at 10, he knew that. Yeah. He knew his, where his father was. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. And, and obviously the... the um, over time, then obviously the sort of the short term, you guys trying to work out what it looks like as a, as a family, then obviously over, I know one of the hardest things, and I know my my mum found this when she lost her dad, is, is the, the thing that everyone else sort of moves on with their lives. And, and but obviously you guys still take that day by day, week by week. What was that like as sort of the weeks and the months sort of led on i think we were really really well supported by family and by the church and yes looking back i don't i think i took it for granted at 15 how good people at church were and mm. um, we had one couple who used to drive every single week to pick us up because mum couldn't drive at that point pick us up and bring us to church oh, and right. it was a good half an hour trip for her in the car to come and pick us up and take us mm. but every single week they were there bringing us to church and taking us to things and taking care of us and yeah i think as time went but I think people were very kind to us all the way through, really. I don't think we ever felt that we were dropped by people, really. Oh, absolutely, because one of the things that Gerald had said to me 
Um, Mum, you'll have to learn to drive. And I said, God will have to... Well, I didn't say it, I said it to God. You'll have to write it in the sky if you want me to drive, because <laughs> I'm terrified. And within two or three days, I had two phone calls from different people in the church saying that um, they would like to pay for my driving lessons. They didn't want to put any pressure on me. And somebody else rang to say that they wanted to pay for my first driving test. That, that was the sort of support yeah. we had from the church. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I said, thank you, God, you've written it in the sky now. Um, because of that, I could do, although I failed the first three, I did pass the fourth one. But then I, it was so many things I learned, you know, trust me. You know, I want, I want you to be a safe driver. I don't want you to run into people and so on. So I had to, do, but that was, and, and I had learnt to drive just before Joel was diagnosed with diabetes, the youngest one, which was quite hard for him. And he coped with it amazingly well. But, but because I was able to drive, I could do all the things I had to do then. Taking him to hospital, going and pick him up when he had a hypo, and all sorts of things. Oh, so it was just before, and wow, that's God's yeah. favour, isn't well, it? Abso absolutely, it happened. Yeah. It, this, this is this is this is what my life has been like. It's been God has been there every single step of the way, which is, I, and I I just feel for anybody who doesn't know Him, because you know He's the answer to every need. Oh man, and you mentioned, I suppose, the the, the church stepping in in amazing ways in in those reasons. What do you think the church's role is in in sort of supporting people who are going through that? In terms of for for you, obviously, that physical and, and practical support. I've I've know a few people who have said, "Oh, I don't want to sort of step in too far because obviously families need time and 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 that." What do you think? How much do you think the church should be? involved where do, where does it take its lead from hmm. i think it's got to come out of relationship really and it's got to be really sensitive so we had people who were amazing who'd come around and they'd just sit and chat or they'd take us out and take us out for walks or just do things like that and just be there with us and then we had other people who I can remember people saying to me at the time oh don't worry you can share my dad now which was a completely wrong thing to say i didn't want anybody else's dad and it was i mean it was well meant but it wasn't it wasn't right there were quite a lot of tone deaf things that people said or did at the time which were quite difficult to manage but I think you've just got to be really sensitive really you've just got to cry with people when they're crying but not make them not do the sort of the sad head tilt and look at them patronizingly when they want to be happy for a day because grief is funny some days you're happy and normal and then some days it hits you and you're you're sad and upset again and you just want people to meet you where you are exactly um, yes, yeah, that's that, that's right, and we, you never know. But it was prayer mostly. I felt that there was prayer. That was that was the most important thing. It was like being held up on a cushion of prayer all the time, and I just wanted to give back to the church. So what they'd given me, you know, it's it's been like that all the time. Yeah, it's uh, the church has been. It, I, we we were blessed with a big family who were very very supportive, and they were and the and the church is a sort of extended family and and have been and still are very supportive for which we are very thankful. And if you, I suppose, then someone who I do want to ask actually later about how you some maybe wisdom you guys give to people who are currently going through a, an area of bereavement, but for then 
those who might be supporting someone or, or, or have friends who have, have lost someone and are within church contexts, I suppose then would your, your wisdom just be prayer and asking where that, where the support can be given and, and leading, go, go, taking it from them, I suppose, in, in those areas. Yeah, yeah, taking, you know, taking it, looking at people's lives and sort of saying, you know, where's the, what are the potential difficulties that might come up and just offering support, but not being kind of pushy with it, just kind of being, just loving generosity, really. Yeah, and, and listening, you mentioned listening. What, how important do you think that is to just be able to say that I'm, I'm my ear is open, I can just spend time and pray and, and listen if you, that's helpful. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just a case of, of being alongside people because if you say to somebody, I'm here for you, that's lovely, but most people won't ring up or call you when they need you. Mm. I think actually just being physically present and saying to somebody, you know, do you fancy coming out for a walk somewhere or do you fancy going for a coffee and just being there and then the opportunity is there if they want to talk, you've given it to them, you've been with them and then you can meet them wherever they are. If they're having a good day, you can, you can rejoice with them and if they're mm. having a bad day, you can cry with them, you can just be with them. And that conversation, I suppose, about bereavement in terms of culture and, and the church, do you think that we, we're we able to have that conversation openly or do you think it's still something? Because I know I heard it said once that in like Victorian era, you would talk about death and that was fine, but you would never talk about sex. And in this in our current culture, people can't stop talking about sex, but people don't like talking about death. That whole conversation isn't comfortable and it's almost become taboo would would you say you found that or or was I definitely found that at school when I went back to school and my friends just couldn't cope with the idea that I was a bereaved person they would physically you could see them physically tense up as I came into the room as if they were afraid they didn't know how to be around me they didn't know how to talk around me if I ever mentioned dad we talked about dad all the time the good things as well as the annoying things that he did you know we were kind of secure enough in his love to be able to talk about the warts and all dad you know not try and pretend that he was mm. perfect but whenever I mentioned anything about dad at school my friends would tense up and mm. the atmosphere would go all frozen and it was it was horrible I had to kind of almost become a different person at school and kind of put that on hold and in some ways that made going to school easier because I could just go to school and just be exactly as I was before but in other ways it's quite lonely because it meant that none of my friends really knew what's going on for me I didn't have the freedom to talk to any of them because they couldn't handle my sadness now fair enough they were 15 as well they didn't they weren't equipped for it and they didn't know how to cope with it whereas our church family and our family family were much more able to kind of cope and sit with our, our sadness and our grief with us. Is that a conversation you've had with your kids then in terms of how they look to support because I, I know on, on a personal level obviously in, in our church we've had a couple of people die in the last couple of years and, and I know your specifically your daughter was quite friendly with one of the yeah um, the absolutely, absolutely. Of uh, yeah and I, and I have had the conversation I have said to her you know just allow her to be whatever she needs to be in that moment you know and uh, that's a big ask of a 12 year old actually yeah, it is um it's a big one but i say actually you can cope with somebody being sad you know you can manage it because and then but just i said just take your cue from your friends you know if your friends are sad be sad with them if they're happy be happy with them don't try to make them feel they've got to be anything or fit into any kind of bereaved role and those times of joy and and and, and in memory a lot especially are really important as well in terms of the 
remembering for, for you guys all, all that Roger was and all the amazing things. It's okay to have those times of joy and, and whilst also mourning. Uh, Absolutely. That's one thing, because I grew up in a church where we were, you know, Jesus, uh, when people had died, they'd gone to heaven. You know, that's something to rejoice. You didn't talk about it afterwards and you didn't, nobody would talk about it. I mean, my my husband, uh, his youngest daughter, when she was five, died. But they never, ever talked about her, never said anything about her after that. And it was always sad that and we never, uh, no, nobody ever talked about it. When my father-in-law died, I rang my mother, mother-in-law, to say, you know, after, when it was his birthday afterwards, I said, you know, rang her to see if she was all right. And, you know, we, I was thinking about her then. And, oh, it's all gone, it's all forgotten. And uh, we didn't talk about it, which was sad because uh, I think they missed out a lot of things. Was, I think we weren't allowed to mourn. You, you weren't allowed to mourn in those That's days. That's what I was going to say. You don't get that processing mourning time. Do no, you, you, you need the you mourning. On. You need to have the mourning. You need to have time to be sad. And, and um, OK, oh, God understands. Mm. I did tell, I did say to one of my children who I thought was angry about something, about you know, about God taking him. And uh, I said to him, oh, don't be angry with God. I didn't want anybody to be angry with God. And uh, but and I realised I shouldn't have said that to him. Years later, I said to him, I'm sorry I said that because that's not right. God can cope with you being angry. He, he understood. He understood. Well, he said he wasn't angry, but I think he was really because he loved his dad and didn't quite know how to cope with it. And I think, you know, God... God doesn't mind. God wants us to express ourselves. Wants to be real. He wants us. Yeah, he wants us to be honest. Yes. With him in all the spectrum of emotion, because he created that's, that's all right. of the spectrum of emotion. And that's right. I think it. It was something I, I heard, probably I would have been about ten or eleven, where I think someone said to me once, "It's you know, so it is okay to be angry, when it's over." righteous things or whether there is emotional hurt there and you're bringing it to god but the main thing is you're bringing it to god because you know he can cope with he can deal with it if you're taking out your anger in other ways that's not good but it's okay to bring your hurt and pain to god and the more times that i read scripture i'm just so aware of these men and women who were able to be real with god in all areas and how i realized that I'm often so, I suppose, blunt, like blunted in the way that I talk to God. Sometimes I feel like I can only bring him bits of it, but it's okay to bring him all that you are, the, the great joys and the, the, the woes as well. I think that's, that's right. with, with bereavement, there are so many firsts that hit you um, emotionally. So the first time, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first holiday, the mm. first this, that and the other, all kinds of little things and everything that hits you, hits you with a fresh wave. And I think that's what you do. You bring it all to before God and you say, I am so sad that Dad's not here to see this or to hear this. That's absolutely. And, and so often you don't know how to cope with the first, the first times when you've, you've, you've not got the partner with you. And, but it happened, he, he answers it. Uh, so just what Christmas presents that I'm going to buy for my children the first time? We'd always talked about it before. Mm. No, I don't know. But it, it was amazing how God, you know, provided the answers in, in all sorts of funny ways. And it's just little things, as, as Eloise said, you know, it's the first time, the first holiday, the first, all those things, new. 
you've got to start again and realize that you know it's 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 okay life life does go on whatever and so we we take it one day at a time but then that's life forever isn't it <laughs> i think for someone listening in maybe who who hasn't had that close period i think for me at least i, I know you saying about um what christmas presents to buy that was a really practical i suppose it's a big thing obviously generally but it's it's a practical thing it's not the sort of the it's, big it's a practical um, thing it's the well i normally would just ask about this and i would normally just we would talk about that and i yeah that's it's very practical yes yeah and different yes it was it was it was it was everything it was not just i mean it's big things and little things god cares about every bit everything He's, he's an amazing God. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Yeah, thank you so much for for being so open and, and, and vulnerable and, and honest. I know that there there will possibly be people uh, listening in who are currently going through those, that sort of the short term, first days maybe even, or, or weeks and, and months of, of dealing with the loss of, of someone. What what advice could you give give to them obviously i'm sure um they're already they will have heard lots of amazing advice but maybe a couple of just practical things of what it looks like in that that short term what advice would you would you give keep close to him walk in his will if you know if you know he's going to keep you he's going to keep you safe but also to any married couples keep close accounts and because then you haven't got the the difficulties that you'd have afterwards. I feel very, I just, I just love to see good marriages and even more than I did before. It's so important to keep God in, in I mean, he is, he is the answer. It doesn't matter what your problems are. And, and uh, in the long term, that's, that's the only thing that matters, to keep in his will, because you know that that's best, that's safest. I think I'd add there's no script for grief and however you are bereaved and however you feel it's fine you haven't got to try and satisfy anyone else's ideas about how you should grieve you can grieve however you want to grieve but like mum says just bring it all before God and just know that you're standing on solid ground and that you can trust in him to to see you through Mm. thank you amazing I suppose my last question uh, for you both, which is a slightly more, it's got practical elements, but it's more of a theological thing as well. How do you balance, and for you guys personally, what did it look like to balance that, the hope for the future and the hope for eternity and, and, and knowing, as as you said, Joel said, that, you know, he has two fathers in heaven with then the, 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 the loss and the grief sort of on earth. And, and how do you, what does it look what does it look like to balance those two things and know it's okay to hope for the future in that time but also mourn here and now i think the fact that we had the hope for the future and the fact that we knew we were going to see dad again transformed our grief massively i don't i don't know how you grieve somebody who isn't a believer that's a much harder thing you know to cope with whereas we knew all the time that we were safe in god's arms we knew that dad was safe in god's arms we knew we were going to see him again i do remember at dad's funeral we were singing that hymn that's got oh death where is your sting Mm. as with tears pouring down our faces thinking it really really hurts but actually it doesn't sting as much as eternal separation would yes it's yeah i remember singing how he he'd 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 taken He'd taken it all, but even what even if he takes 
even if he's taken, I felt that he'd taken something from me, but I still will praise God. And mm. that's, that's what I wanted to do. I, I still will praise God, whatever happens. This was, this was what I wanted to do and what I still want to do, whatever happens. He is God and he, he is, he is, he's eternal. It's, it's every, everything is from, from here to eternity. I love the hymn that says we walk in, as we walk into eternity. And, and that's a, a beautiful thing to know that we're, we're from here to eternity. And, and, and it's, it's God, it's God we're walking with. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, both of you, for your openness and, and vulnerability. I know there will be many people who have listened to this and, and been really touched. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the What About podcast today. If you have been affected by the topic that we've been talking about, if this is something that's close to your heart, if this, if you have uh, lost someone and you would like to talk, then please, please get in contact with the church. The church office is is always open to to for you to leave a voice message, or if you want to email in and you just want to talk to someone, please get in contact. We would love to talk and pray with you um, and support you during this time. And if you want to talk more, maybe about supporting somebody else, again, please, please do get in contact. Uh, through this conversation, you have realised that you want to know more about this amazing God who uh, both Anne and Ella have been talking about um, and you want to know more about all that he has done for you, please get in contact. We'd love to talk with you more about our amazing God and all that he has done for you and all that he wants to do for you. So please get into contact. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next month. Mm -hmm.